Good morning. Welcome to Crocker and Cone. That's Eric Crocker. I'm Grant Cone. The 49ers are three and four, and they need our help. Fortunately, Crocker and I are here to help. We have so many fresh ideas for Kyle and D'Amico, but we're going to make them, and you wait for those, because that's they should be paying us for that. That'll be the, the second part of the show. First, we need to talk about Christian McCaffrey, because that was a week ago, and the last time we did a show, they didn't have Christian McCaffrey, so I'd love to know what Croc thinks now that he's officially on the team. I'm probably not the biggest fan of the trade. Uh, now, it's a safe space for us, because neither am I. <laughs> so I am excited about the player, yeah, uh, Christian McCaffrey, he's, and he's just good. the way my mind works when I see something like this go down, I just look at the I look at the the whole picture and try to figure out does this make a lot of sense, right? You go back to the DeForest Buckner trade and and just you trade DeForest Buckner, that's hella stupid. But then you <laughs> look at some of the things they're trying to do with it, where it's like, hey, you know, you, well, you, you let him go, you get to bring back Eric Armstead, you get to bring back Jimmy Ward, you get a first-round pick, and right. that's $20 million off the books, whatever, however you want to look at right. it. It's like, okay, I can make sense out of it from that standpoint. It had, like, financial logic, right? Analytics it, it logic. They just financial got the, logic. They just picked it, the wrong player. Yeah, and yeah, but it still was bad. But, yeah, but it was bad. I, I could understand their logic right. of thinking. Yes. When it comes to the Christian McCaffrey trade, my mind goes straight to how much of a difference does Christian McCaffrey make in the sense of, of bettering this offense more than what you could potentially get from Elijah Mitchell? Right. This team was in the Super Bowl, or excuse me, NFC Championship game with Elijah Mitchell Elijah running the ball. Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell runs the ball well. Now, he's hurt mm -hmm. right now, and you hope to get him back soon. But I think you can say the same thing about uh, what we've Jeff seen Wilson. from Christian McCaffrey over the last couple oh, of years, yeah. where it's like, oh, we just hope he stays healthy. And then when yeah. you look at the draft capital that they gave up on top of that, which, yeah. again, I, you could say F those picks, whatever, but on top of the draft capital that you gave up, you also have to pay him. And we're talking about not this year. Yeah, you don't got to pay him anything this year. I think maybe like 600000 but moving forward, the next two years, you're going to pay him $12 million $12 each year. And you $12 pay him $12 million each year, you will lose other players. Unless yeah. the cap just goes up so oh, much. Let's, let's, let's name some players who are not coming back. Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward not coming back. Not coming now, back, and he knows with it. This is how the safeties are playing right now. I don't think 49er fans would have as big of a deal. But, yeah, you're, you're losing a good football player and a good uh, – Typically, I saw his comments the other day. But typically, somebody's really good in the locker room, et cetera. Right. So you're losing right. Jimmy Ward. Uh, potentially Eric Armstead. Right. Uh, there might be a linebacker. Ebicom. Uh, Ebicom. Yeah. Ebicom. Ebicom. Yeah. Like, so now yeah. you're starting to lose some of these players that, yeah. you know, when you piece it together and you look at how they started, when healthy, talking about historically great defense, you're yeah. losing some of the stalwarts to that. On top of, I'm pretty sure some players are going to have to make decisions on offensively. And I think that's like, a lot for a running back that, again, McCaffrey makes the offense better Mm -hmm. But also, how, how much? much better? How much? Right? Like, if I was to say, all right, I'm going to give Elijah Mitchell these touches, I'm going to give Christian McCaffrey these touches, you know, how much of a difference is it? Maybe 20 yards rushing? Maybe? I mean, we saw it this past weekend, right? Like, Christian McCaffrey was excellent. So was Jeff Wilson Jr. So it, it didn't really matter which running back you had on the field. It was going to be a good run most of the time. And, and, and that's my part. So in the sense of what you gave up and, and the financial yeah. ramifications that can come from it, to me, it didn't quite make sense. Now, if you just told me, oh, the 49ers trade a fifth-round pick for Christian McCaffrey, you get him in, and, oh, he's only making $5 million a year each of the next two years, that like, wow, it's an amazing trade. You got one of the better yeah. running backs in the league, and you got him for nothing, and you can, uh, you don't have to run him into the ground. You can play right. him, and you play uh, Jeff Wilson, and they play off of each other. Then you get Elijah Mitchell back. Wow, this makes a ton of sense. 
but uh, that's not how it worked out. So I think he does make the 49ers better. I'm just curious to see how much as it pertains to what they gave up. Like what you're describing is kind of like the Emmanuel Sanders trade from three years ago. That made sense. He was a rental. They didn't give up a lot. He addressed a position of weakness for them. Um, that's not what this trade is at all. It's not the right. Emmanuel Sanders trade. Uh, and they kind of marketed it that way. Hey, this is the piece we needed. We, we feel as, as confident in this team as, as we felt in that team. But to me, like the Emmanuel Sanders trade is something that Parag would have signed off on. Yep, makes sense. Analytics department, all good. I can't see Parag signing off on this. This is so against the 49ers brand of like value and how they do things the last 15, 20 years. To me, this is Kyle saying, uh, I have the most power in this organization, Parag. I want Christian McCaffrey. We're going we're gonna to do this. Because I feel like only a coach would say, I don't care what the value is. I'm going to make this work because I'm the guy drawing up the plays. And it's my offense. Give me what I want. It was a so very, very, very desperate move. Oh. And yeah. just with how Kyle Shanahan or whoever's picking these running backs, how they valued the position, that has been very odd to me. Uh, you know, I said it in the draft. I was live on the draft show, uh, Locked On NFL Draft. We were out there in the studio in Dallas, and they, they took a picture that floats around the internet sometimes. But if you see a picture of me kind of squinting at the TV, that was me when they drafted Ty Davis Price in the third round. And yeah. it just did not make sense to me. Because I'm like, look, you just drafted. And look, Ty Davis Price could very well be a really good running back. But the value yeah. did not make sense. Look at yeah. what they've done in the past with uh, the more they've put into a running back, the less they've gotten from it, right? right? You look at what they did with Jarek McKinnon. Didn't get much out of here, obviously due to injury. Uh, you look at what they gave to Tevin Coleman. And I think people look at Tevin Coleman now and, okay, cheap. But at the time, they paid him like $5 million, $6 million a year or something like yep. that. Didn't work out the way they probably thought it would. Uh, you look at what they gave him for Trey Sermon, right? Third Joe round pick. And you traded up for Trey Sermon. All right. Joe Williams. Uh, Joe Williams. Joe Williams. And not just Joe Williams. And people forget this guy, Cabri Bibbs. They traded a first-round pick for Cabri Bibbs, who did not even make the team. It was one of the wildest trades. So, But then, who have you gotten the most out of? Jeff Wilson, undrafted. Raheem Mostert, who you inherited. But again, undrafted. Uh, Matt Breda, undrafted. Mm -hmm. Elijah Mitchell, sixth-round pick. So it's like the more they invest, the more weary I am of the acquisition. But again, Chris McCaffrey, a little bit different, but I hope it works out. Yeah, and now that Debo Samuel has a uh, bummed hamstring, we don't know if he's going to play this weekend. I think he, I'm guessing he won't. All of a sudden, the Niners are leaning on Christian McCaffrey. They need him to make a big impact that Eric and I are a little um, skeptical that he can do on his own, given the position he plays. John says, Trent Williams has been playing to level of McGlinchey. After the interview with Jimmy Ward, I believe the locker room is gone. Yeah, you, you just, uh, let's talk about the second part of this topic first. You just alluded to it. You saw what Jimmy Ward said yesterday. I was there. How would you describe what you saw? That that was not good. And I think most people do. That that was someone, in my head, is just, I just need to get through this season. Pretty much. And that's, that's not said, right? the mindset you want for the players. Now, Jimmy Ward, I think he's one of the leaders of this defense. Mm-hmm. We all know when he's on, he's a tremendous football player. Wasn't on last game. <laughs> that wasn't his best game. But no. typically. Also playing out of position. Also playing out of position. But the Jimmy yeah. Ward that I know, he is versatile to where he can, yeah. can do some of those things, uh, playing yeah. the nickel and whatnot. But it's very clear when he signed with the 49ers to play safety, he did not want to be a nickel. He talked about nope. before, uh, you know, the money that was on the table, if he would play nickel in some other positions and whatnot in free agency. He's like, nope, 
I'll go back to 49ers, play safety. Like, he wants to be a safety and just yeah. be more of a versatile piece as opposed to, hey, you know what? Yeah, you've been tremendous for us at the safety position. You played very well. But we got a guy named uh, Gibson. We got a guy named Talano Hufunga. So you want to come back here? You want to play? You got to play in the nickel. And I don't think he necessarily cares for that. You got to play nickel with a broken thumb. Let me ask you a question. How difficult yeah, the cast is it to play? looks crazy, too. Whatever cast they got on him looks crazy. Yeah, so as a former NFL corner, how difficult is it to play press coverage or man and or man coverage with a broke? You never had a broken thumb, but can you imagine how difficult is that? Yeah, I I couldn't even imagine trying to play like. How that, do you do that? How do you do so that? We've seen um, uh, Kwan Williams right now playing for uh, uh, the Broncos. He got one of those big old casts on his hands mm. right now, and he's actually used it to punch a couple passes out. But nice. uh, I don't think that's the easiest thing. To do because you want to grab a little bit, and I know you don't want to get called for holding and whatnot, and and then everybody hates DBs. I know everybody hates defensive backs, but you do want to grab a little bit, and to not just be able to, it's just yeah, it's just a nub. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's got <laughs> that's got to be difficult. So the other part of this is uh, John is say, basically saying that that the locker room is out on the season, and you know it's interesting when Kittle and Ayuk said what they said after the loss. That was it, that, again, it was Kittle saying. You know, I'm playing well, but certain people on this team aren't essentially stepping up. And Ayuk said the same thing, and it's like, okay, so you're pointing the finger, but to no one in particular. If I were on the team, I, I would think, is he talking about me? And so I'm wondering, like, is that going to have a galvanizing effect in the uh, in the locker room, or is this going to make it even worse? I don't know. I think we saw some of this last year, maybe not to, to the extent of these comments that are coming out after that loss, I think. Clearly, these players are frustrated, but they're they're probably looking at it like 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 I am, you know. That was my question before. Like, hey man, this offense has been weird all season. Yeah. And you look at who they have, and you just say the names out loud. You say George Kittle, terrific. Debo Samuel, terrific. Brandon Ayuk, terrific. Kyle Juszczyk, terrific. Uh, Now McCaffrey. You know, now you add McCaffrey to the mix, and even the the others, like you know, guys like Jawan, Jeff Wilson, and and and, you know, Jeff Wilson. Like they have a lot of guys. Yeah. So. Why is this team, and I have it pulled up on my screen right now, how the hell do the New York Giants average more points per game than the 49ers when all they have is really kind of two players, a quarterback that everybody thought sucked and was trash and was horrible and get rid of him, right? But he's there. And no weapons. They have him, and he's playing well. And then they got Saquon Barkley, and that's it. Like, who is he throwing the ball to? Richie James is like their leading receiver, right? That's right. Uh, But they're averaging somehow more points than the 49ers. Somehow, right. somehow, because coaching matters. Because coaching matters. I mean, there's so a common denominator here. Down to the, all the yeah. the disgruntled players and whatnot. Maybe they're pointing a finger to nobody, but maybe they are pointing it directly at Kyle. someone uh, by wow. the name of Shanahan. Yeah, and that's not good. Uh, he has the bye week coming up, probably at the right time. He's going to have to get this team together. Darth Mexican says, okay, uh, okay, Kyle Shanahan, can we please get some emotion? Dude's on the podium like a damn robot. Win-lose, his scheme seems to be a reflection of his personality. Boring. I don't understand how his, like three years ago, his scheme was the opposite of vanilla. Now it's as vanilla as can be. Like, how does that happen? Just because Mike McDaniel's gone? Can't be. Well, the question that I was just asked was, you know, are people onto a scheme? And maybe it is a McDaniel thing, but again, look at the points right here in points per game. McDaniel, they are the next team up above the 49ers. Barely average, they're averaging 0.3 points more per game than the 49ers. Mm. Uh, so it's not like they're lighting the world on fire. Good and point. Then, you know, worse than them, you got Green Bay Packers. 
they're way down there. You got the Rams way down there on scoring offense. So it could just be a reflection of the scheme and how people are defending the scheme now. And it's like, hey, we know what you want to do. And it reminds yeah. me a lot of the Seattle cover three scheme where yeah. Seattle cover three, everybody, oh, man, we're running this single high. We're going to run some variation of this match three that Seattle is running. And then yeah. over time, it's like, ah, oh, we, we got the answers to dog this, this defense now. And I think Kyle Shanahan kind of started that. And since then, yeah. you've seen a lot of people uh, go over to more of a two-high scheme and, and yeah. build their de defenses a little bit different way. But it took a little bit of time, but eventually people caught up. And I think that's what's going on to the 49ers, with the 49ers right now, where and not just 49ers, the 49ers, the Rams, the Packers, um, even the Dolphins. It's you know, true. They've had more explosive plays, but from a points-per-game standpoint, they're averaging .3 more than the Niners. Yeah, I think teams might have figured it out. So what's your counter? And Kyle, you're supposed to be a genius, supposed to have the, yeah. the answers to all these things and understand how defense works, but we're not really seeing the results of that yet. Well, the counter is Christian McCaffrey, and what I would say is it's not the, the right counter because the, here's what I keep pointing to. Yeah, yes, I think the scheme has been figured out a bit. It's not just his, but all these guys. Uh, it's, it's a little gimmicky. A lot of it is based on pre-snap motion. I think people have figured out, man, like just ignore it. Just ignore all that. It's window dressing. Just line up and call a play and don't worry about your miscommunications. But also, the thing that com that complicates this is the fact that the offense is good in the first quarter. <laughs> it, they average like seven and a half yards per play in the first quarter. His script is always good. And then once he's passed the script, it's over. He's got 5.8 yards per play in the second quarter, 5.4 in the third quarter, 4.6 in the fourth quarter. Like the offense just falls off. And that's, again, like pointing to Kyle. Like he, Him and his dad must put together a nice little script every week. But then once that's it, he can't call his dad mid-game. And he doesn't have McDaniel to give him. This team is not making adjustments. And it's not just Kyle. It's like the whole offensive. It's, it's the defense, too. Like, they're not making adjustments. They're getting out-adjusted at halftime. That's a big problem. And that's what was happening with Chip Kelly six years ago, if you remember. Couldn't well, make But even then, I saw you put out a tweet. And, it, I mean, it, it, it was loud, right? When you said, Chip Kelly... And what he averaged yeah. uh, second half, and then what that's Kyle right. Shanahan averaged in second halves. And <clears throat> Chip Kelly's was more than Kyle Shanahan. And that's wild because if y'all remember back to Chip Kelly in that offense, it was not George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon no. Ayuk, Kyle Juszczyk. It was no, it Chris wasn't. Harper. Uh, <laughs> like, Vance McDonald, <laughs> Jeremy Curley, Sean Drone. It was the least talented offense the Niners have had in a very long time. And I'm coaching right. him like, is Kyle really a better coach than Chip? I mean, maybe, but they're both kind of like gimmicky scheme coaches on offense. It's just Chip goes fast, Kyle goes slow. Kyle huddles up, Chip doesn't. But really, at the end of the day, where are the adjustments? Where is the offense after the first quarter? Like, Chip's offense is great in the first quarter. That tempo, teams aren't ready for it. Once they feel it, they're like, okay, I got that. There's like four plays. Okay, I can shut that down, at least in the NFL. Right now, with, with I mean, I feel like the Niners' offense is as vanilla as it was that year. It's just like once you get past all the little pre-snap motion, what is the offense? It's like four screen passes, three runs, and like you know, like what happened? I don't understand. But if Kyle thinks Christian McCaffrey's going to come and he can be as, I don't know, he needs someone to spur creativity. Maybe it's Christian because it ain't Jimmy anymore. Right. Maybe it was Trey. All right. Uh, Thayer says we will have. Will we have any cap space to make any splashes in free agency next year? No. O line, D line, backup quarterback, uh, cornerbacks. They got to sign Bosa or not. They got to figure out something there. Do you want to pay Bosa like, Bosa like a quarterback or trade him for a quarterback? I don't know. They got to think about that. Let's see how that's many games great, he plays this year. Yeah, that's a great question. I think Nick Bosa, nah, you 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 pay him like a quarterback. He's a he's a he's a game wrecker. He's a difference maker. Uh, I do think you know he's he's uh, he could be a little stiff. 
So, you know, when teams, if they try to counter maybe his aggressiveness by getting him out there in space, that could be tough. But if we're just talking about just purely, you know, being able to get to the quarterback, uh, he does a tremendous job of that. Let me ask you a question, and we're not trading Nick Bosa, but I'm an asshole, so I'm floating these things. Could you trade Nick Bosa for the number one pick in the draft next year? Number one pick. If he stays healthy and keeps doing Nick Bosa. Who has an, if the team that has a number one pick has a quarterback, I think they're, yeah. uh, th- that's something that they would potentially think about. The and tough like, thing you is ra- you're not just yeah. trading for Nick Bosa. You're trading for Nick Bosa and a and contract. contract. That's right. And and, and a lot right. of these teams kind of have to figure you know look at where are they that's in the right. sense of trying to turn this thing around. Now, we just saw a couple years ago 49ers had the number two overall pick. They were coming mm-hmm. off of six wins or four wins or whatever it was at that time. I think mm-hmm. four wins. And they draft Nick Bosa. Next thing you know, they're in the Super Bowl. Now, it wasn't just Nick Bosa. It was Nick Bosa. Right. It was Debo right. Samuel. It was some other guys that contributed as well. Great but pick. Great overall, pick. they showed that, hey, maybe you are a Nick Bosa away from being an extremely competitive team. But there's a difference between Nick Bosa on a rookie contract and Nick Bosa on a second contract. There just is. In terms of yeah, what 100%. the team is, right? So I'm just thinking, like, again, this is a question for Jed and Parag and, and Kyle. Would you rather have Nick Bosa for $32 million a year? or the number one pick in the draft quarterback on a rookie scale. Now, you got to get the quarterback right. And maybe Trey Lance is better than anyone coming out this year, but if you could trade Nick Bosa for a franchise quarterback, I still think a franchise quarterback is more impactful than a defensive end because all the rules, I mean, you can't even touch the franchise quarterback. Nick Bosa gets a 15-yard penalty if he looks at him wrong. (laughs) And you can hold Bosa. I think this quarterback class, I'm – I'm curious to see how it yeah. plays out because yeah. you look at Bryce Young and he is he's terrific. He reminds me a lot of Russell Wilson, but he's like skinny Russell Wilson. He's little, uh, yeah. He, a little scary. A couple of things though, he he doesn't have the biggest of arms. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's very accurate, that intermediate uh-huh. range. So if Kyle's like, hey, I want a quarterback that's gonna be uh more accurate intermediate than Trey Lance, then you will get that from Bryce Young. Okay. But then uh, you know, does he have the arm strength to drive far hash throws on, you know, deep outs? And would the, if not, would that limit uh, some of the things you're able to do offensively? And then how fast does he look against the NFL defense? And now, sure. you know, are you drafting a uh, not as fast as you thought quarterback that's it's also true. small and frail, small. maybe 5'11", 185 pounds he looks it's like, true. you know? So we're not a big Is he arm. definitely so going to be the number one pick? Get a little weird. Is he definitely the number one quarterback right now? Uh, I would I would say that here's here's what the Forty Nineers could do, you know. Okay. Let's say we don't know what we're getting from Trey Lance, right? You know, okay. I, I like All the right. upside of him and what he potentially could be. Uh, you know, obviously he has to continue to stay healthy, but there might be a guy in, you know, if you're willing to use a third round pick on the quarterback or a fourth round pick and just say, look, yeah, this is Trey Lance's team, but we want to draft, I don't know, uh, Hendon Hooker. There you go. Now, now listen, I don't go. know if Hooker's going. He he's go. just climbing up the charts. But, I like that idea. You know, like if there's a chance to draft someone that you think, oh, oh, oh like how about that. this? I know who they're like. Uh, the kid out of um, Wake Forest, okay. uh, Sam Hartman. Okay, they love Sam Hartman. He's Why? like a he's like a, a a better version of Nick Mullins. He's extremely. Can we get an athlete, athlete, please? Can we get an athlete, please? I he want an athlete move, at quarterback. Okay. He can move around. Okay. Um, okay. Because I'm tired of, like, the Brock Purdy type of quarterback. I even like Nick Mullins, but enough, man. We need an athlete quarterback yeah. in the NFL. He, he probably moves a little better than Purdy. But, like, cause Purdy could, like, actually kind of move a little bit. But, uh, yeah, he's more of I had no idea that Purdy threw a pick in the game. I tuned out. I went. I left the press box with six minutes left, and I didn't watch his draw. He threw a pick. How did, yeah, was it bad? Like, 
gosh. I mean, I, I by then I was so inebriated. Yeah, but, I just checked uh, out. <laughs> I, I think uh, he threw it like late in the game. I mean, obviously it was yeah. late, he got in late, but <clears throat> I think like down the field, like was he like driving or something? And he, I, don't, I don't know. It was weird. But, beats yeah, me. It was late. All right, I got a question for you. Um, should the Niners trade for Matt Ryan? He just got benched. He's had success with Kyle Shanahan, and Jimmy's not good. The other hand, neither is Matt. So what do you think? Should they trade for Matt Ryan? Uh, Matt Ryan was terrible this year. Like so I watched bad. him. Like I, I watched him a few different times. Yeah. The, the Matt Ryan that we have grown to know yeah. over you know his career, he is not that anymore. He's mm-hmm. a turnover machine. He Oof. can't move at all. The no, arm strength is not there. No. Uh, he's just flat out bad. He's flat yeah. out bad. Matter of fact, I watched him, was it Thursday Night Football? It was the Colts and the Broncos. And Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson were just trying to like battle for who could be the worst quarterback in this game. Like, which one yeah. of us is going to be the worst one? And, and, yeah. and it ended up being, Russell. I think, Russell Wilson. But, I mean, they, they were both really, they were terrible. Matt, Matt he's done. Stick it for him. Okay. <laughs> he's Good cooked. to know. Because people yeah. keep bringing that up. Like, you know, could, could the Niners revive him? Would he be an upgrade over Jimmy? I, I think the answer is no, which is crazy. I'd rather have Tom Brady at 46 than Matt Ryan right now. Even Tom Brady's not even 46 yet. But I'd rather have Tom Brady now. I think Tom Brady's won four Super Bowls. Uh, since Matt like Ryan is the age right now, like yeah. So yeah, Matt Ryan, I guess, just not the same athlete that Tom Brady is. We can wrap that up right well, Tom, there. Well, Tom Brady, you guys <laughs> remember about how he, you know, how he prepares, and Tom Brady, the, the, you know, he prepares at the highest level. Yeah, it's still wild yeah. though, because when you say it out loud, forty-five years old, he's going to be forty-six. Like that's to be performing and still do well like that. That's crazy. This, does Speaking Tom Brady of- play after this year? Because he's just. Doesn't well, that's bad. what I'm going to ask you. That's what I'm going to ask you. Speaking of Tom Brady, who will be the 49ers quarterback next year? Jimmy Garoppolo will be a free agent. Tom Brady will be a free agent. These guys can kind of go where they want. Trey Lance will be here, but he hasn't played in a long time. And if Kyle Shanahan's still the coach and he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet, there's just even more pressure on him to win. So I'm asking, who, who's it going to be? I do believe it'll be Trey Lance, but I do think there will also be some kind of insurance policy. Not Jimmy yeah. G, Not but Jimmy something G. else. Whether you draft somebody who, you know what? We like what this quarterback brings. Trey Lance, your team. It's yeah. you. But like almost like a, Kirk the RG3 cousin situation yeah. where Kyle, yeah. like our, our, uh, Cousins it. was his guy, right? Yeah. Like if Kyle could have taken Cousins in the first round, like if it was his team, I wouldn't doubt that he would have just taken Kirk Cousins, right? Because yeah. he sometimes does things he like that. He just spent four picks on a running back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Of the player, right? Like nobody's mm. thinking about tra- taking Kirk Cousins, but he's like, I'm going to get him. So, uh, <laughs> Who is your Kirk Cousins in this draft to where you're like, you know what, Trey Lance, love everything that you are. Hopefully it works out. But if it doesn't, exactly, we really like this guy that we took in the fourth round. I don't have a problem with drafting a quarterback every couple of years. Why not? You, I mean, it's such a crapshoot. There's so many things that have to go right for a quarterback to end up like Josh Allen. He probably won't. Keep trying. Keep sw- It's the most important position. And if you hit on a guy in the sixth round – that might just make your franchise for the next 20 years like it did with the Patriots. So just keep trying. Keep trying. Keep trying. Yeah, I, I would I would take two. I mean, look yeah. at what the Dallas Cowboys did with Dak Prescott. And uh, they've had their ups and downs. You know, I think everybody looks at more of what Dak has been um, throwing the ball over the last couple of years. But early on, that wasn't Dak. They leaned on the run game. They lived on, right. le- leaned on a great defense, leaned on the offensive line, got great results. Year two, 
Dak Prescott was not good. He could barely throw for 200 yards in the game. But right. since then, he's continued to develop uh, different aspects of his game. I think right now, you know, Dak Prescott is probably widely considered a, a top 10 quarterback uh, out there. But he was a fourth round pick. And he just, you know, had some of the traits that they felt like they could work with. Yeah. All right, let me ask you another question. What is the biggest difference between this season's 49ers team and last season's team? I think a lot of people f- that are optimistic think, hey, man, this team was 3-4 and four last year. This is what they do. And maybe it is. But, it's, it, I mean, it's a different team. What do you think the biggest difference is? Uh, well, you got to hope, and we'll we'll find out if these guys can stay together. We talked about Ward's comments, mm, talked about Kittle, yeah. talked about Ayuk. The difference is we did not hear those things come That's out at point. that time. Yeah. So now it's almost as if, like you said, pointing fingers without pointing fingers. Right. You start to hear things like that, and you know, is the locker room going to start to fall apart? Now, Kyle has shown the ability to bring everybody together, and hey, everything's going to be fine. We're winning, and everything's cool. They love they love Kyle, but. Uh, right now, I would say that's the biggest difference. Where is the train falling off the track just a little bit? And and uh, I, I think it's tipping a little bit. It for the first time in Kyle's tenure here, it feels like the the players are starting to lack a little bit of confidence in him, him and his staff. Like yeah. I feel like they always felt like he had the answers and that he would get him eventually. And I think they're looking at him like, man, maybe you don't have the answers this year. And it's, I think what the deal is is. It's not just that Mike McDaniel's gone. It's that a lot of coaches left this year, and he replaced them like all with guys in their first year. Bob, Brian Greasy's never been a coach before. Um, Leonard Hankerson never been a wide receiver coach on his own before. Uh, Brian Flurry never been a tight end coach before. Uh, on and on, and so you have a bunch of guys learning on the job. And they were all thinking Trey Lance this year. We're all going to be doing Trey Lance, and let's focus our energy in Trey Lance. And he goes down five quarters into the season, and now all these novices have to reorient their thinking on the fly and save this season with a new quarterback who's 100% different. And I don't think they've ever done anything like that before. And so Kyle has, but there's only so much one man can do. He really needs people to delegate. Like, for example, at halftime, who are you talking to? Are you talking to your position coach or the head coach? Uh, position coach. So you need adjustments. Uh, Leonard Hankerson, what are you telling Debo and Ayuk at halftime? You know, like uh, Brian Greasy, what are you telling Jimmy Garoppolo at halftime? I think this is a problem. And we're seeing the Niners have no second-half offense. Well, maybe it's that they have a very, frankly, cheap, inexperienced assistant coaching staff, which is something Harbaugh never had. He always had very experienced assistant coaches on his team. Yep, and, and Kyle, yeah, Kyle, very expensive. And I think that was one thing that Jed didn't like. It's like I don't want to spend on assistant coaches, and now he doesn't. Kyle's been very good at like grooming guys that no one's heard of, but they're all gone. And now he has a bunch of guys that are struggling. Maybe they'll turn around soon. And, and, and it's not just the the grooming the other coaches. A lot of those guys have been with him for years. Yep. Right. We're talking about you it's know machine. fourteen. Yeah. 13, 12, 11, 10 years mm-hmm. plus they've been with him. And now, yeah. you know, uh, his longest tenured coach right now might be uh, Demigo Ryan, who got with him in 2017. Yeah. That's right, yeah. So we're the, we're, there would be like an unspoken thing like, this is what we all do in this situation. This is what I need you to do. This is what I trust from you. He has to explain it all to these people. And he doesn't yeah. necessarily, you know what I'm saying? So that's, that's a, why I feel that's like. That's the biggest loss when yeah. it comes to, a lot of people talk about the loss of McDaniel. And I think a lot of people think it's just, He's just the brains behind it. And I don't know if it's necessarily that. I think it's just more so of I lost I just lost my partner. 
Yep. I lost my guy that's been with me for 15 years, yep. and we know each other. He knows yep. what he has to do. I know what I do. We come together. We have that's this true. great plan. And then now it's like, dang, I got to do everything, and I got to explain my thinking when McDaniel knows how I think. He knows right. how I think. He knows what I'm doing. He knows how to suggest things. And you just you just lose. I don't think it's that McDaniel is just, oh, no, this is all McDaniel, why you had some success. I think it's just losing someone one that gets you. And I think that, that's been tough. I think you, maybe you, we undervalued, uh, I don't want to say undervalued, but maybe underestimated how much uh, change that, that could be or how hard it could be for Kyle. You've been doing a show with Brian Peacock for years, right? How long? Yeah. Oh, no, uh, about a year and a half now. Year and a half? Okay. Well, that doesn't, that kind of ruins my point. But yeah, but, but no, anyway, but even then. Like, you yeah, guys have a chemistry. Well, you know what I'm saying? Well, if, if you were just to start a new show with someone else, it wouldn't be as smooth as what you have with Brian Peacock right now because you guys have been working together weekly, daily, for a long oh, time. Daily, daily. For right, a long time. Five yes. days a week now. You know how he thinks. Yeah. And that was not the case. When we first started, I mean, we would get messages on Reddit, on the little Reddit thing, or in the comments, and it's like, this is trash, there's no chemistry, right. uh, you know, this and that, and now it's like, yeah. oh, we yeah. love the show, everybody loves it, right? But it took time. It takes time, yeah, it to, does. To, to get there, and at first, a lot of people did not like it, you know, and, and I think with this coaching staff, it is gonna be something that might take a little bit more time, hopefully not too much time, because uh, Kyle, I don't know, it's starting to get a little weird, so. Yeah, and it's like, you look at it, Jimmy, he's got the lowest QBR of his career right now. Well, Scangarello's gone. And they, I mean, Scangarello left partially probably because he didn't want to coach Trey Lance, maybe. Um, but now it's Jimmy's team again. They could use someone that actually knows Jimmy. And now you got Brian Greasy who's trying to figure it out. Also, I think one more thing. We were theorizing why did these coaches leave in the offseason? And maybe it was like a purge of people that didn't want to work with Jimmy. Or maybe the Jed was just cheap. And these guys got raises. Like, they tried to slash John Embry's salary. He was the assistant head coach making a million dollars a year. They tried to cut it down to 400000 That's a slap in the face. I'm sure he That's left somewhere. That's a slap in the face. And then Wes Welker, I bet he got a, uh, a raise in Miami. Like, man, if you want to keep this team together, Jed, open up, the po open up your pocketbook. I'm just saying. It's, it's something that fans don't necessarily point to, but it's something we should keep Jed, hold Jed accountable on, man. Don't be, don't be cheap. And they don't have a like you were with your stadium. Coaches. No, you right. don't. Pay for the stadium. Pay for the coaches. You have a bare bones stadium and a novice coaching staff. That's a reflection of you, Jed. Look at what they got in Buffalo right now. That's a nice stadium that they're going to put up. And you, meanwhile, look what you got. <laughs> it's terrible. All right, let's get these where coaches. Is that, man, like you're in Silicon Valley, <sighs> everything's supposed to be forward thinking out there. Yeah, man. That's about, yeah. It looks. Like it was made 40 years ago. All right. Let's give some suggestions. Let's see if we have any. Okay, Leah, let's give some suggestions. Kyle Shanahan needs ideas. He's out of them. So does D'Amico. So let's start with the defense and finish up with Kyle. What are some suggestions you would give for D'Amico this week to beat the Rams? Man. Uh, we can go so back and forth, they're, too. They're going to be a little more prepared for what he did last time, which yep. was he blitzed the hell out them. I mean, yep. if, if you told me that he sent five guys on – you know, 80% of the snaps, I would believe it. And and it looked like the Rams just weren't prepared for that because the 49ers haven't been just this super uh, high blitz, high pressure type team. Uh, they usually try to get their pressure with four. But mm -hmm. he blitzed the hell out of them. So I, I guess I want to say, well, do it again. But it's like, gosh, they got to be a little bit more prepared for it this time, right? See, the way I feel is like, I don't think you need to bring pressure to get pressure. I mean, that offensive line is terrible. They have like a third string center. They can't communicate. As I think 
games and stunts should get it done. Just switching up the rush lanes, they're not going to figure it out, and you have better players than them. I think games and I would even think like rush three sometimes because they're just going to throw to Cooper Cup. They're just going to throw to Cooper Cup. So bracket the hell out of Cooper Cup and make Stafford hold the ball, and he'll throw a pick six. I don't know. That's all. He, he he's on like thirty pick sixes, pick sixes in his career, which is amazing. That's that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> That's so like not. play two like deep four of them. I feel like to the four to the Niners, play two high safeties. You know, like they can't run the ball. If the Niners can't stop Daryl Henderson uh, with a light box, they're in trouble because the Rams have no run game. But the Niners have no run defense right now. What do you, I mean? How do you help D'Amico with this run defense right now? It's just there's no bodies there. This, this is how you help D'Amico rise. You score some effing points on. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, like, and it's wild to me that Kyle has leaned so heavily on the defense to, yeah. and it's, oh, we got to stack defense. So you, you play to that. Like, no, dude, you are an offensive-minded coach. You were brought here to create fireworks and, and have these offensive explosions, and we're not seeing that. And at some point, like, bro, you got to help the defense out. They're not always going to yeah. be great. There are good offenses in the league. You're going to play against the Patrick Mahomes. So you got to figure out offensively. So, yeah, you want to help. D'Amico Ryans, and, and what are the suggestions for him, score some more points on your offense. That'll help him a ton. I like that. Um, before we move to Kyle, I want to talk one more thing about helping D'Amico. Um, matching up with Cooper Cup. Last time they had Lenore on him, they gave up like 15 catches, but not a lot of yards and no touchdowns. Now Lenore's playing outside, and they're playing Jimmy Ward in the slot. I don't really like it. Uh, what would you do to match up with Cup in this game? I think you talked about kind of bracketing him a little bit before, and I think that's the way to do it. It, it is, I will say, it's hard. It is yeah. hard to bracket a slap, slot receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, outside receiver, yeah, that's easy. You know, safety, you you, yeah. you can play press, take away inside, have a safety a little bit over the top, and yeah. you can bracket a guy from there. Slot is a little tougher because guys' yeah. responsibilities start changing. Then you can leave a huge void in a yeah. defense trying to bracket a slot defender. So, uh, you do have to figure out a way to take away, either take away from him or do like they did last time. Oh, you have 14 catches for 100 yards or whatever, but you're averaging eight yards per catch. You're yeah. not killing us. You're not scoring a yeah. touchdown. And if you're the only one that's doing anything, then we can let you have your little 14 catches yeah. as long as it's not resulting in, you know, 100 points in the game. That's true. So maybe it is. Maybe maybe this suggestion is let Cooper Cup get his. Just limit Dang. the downfield shots. Because remember in the, in the postseason – yeah. Or even week 18, what do you have? Deep over yeah. routes, catching and running opportunities. In, yeah. in postseason, you know, touchdown, corner route. You know, you start getting beat on those things, and it's like, man, now now he's beating you. But if he can get 14 catches when it's only 100 yards and nobody yeah. else is getting off and you still hold them to 180 passing yards, then maybe that's the recipe. They can't run the ball. They can't pass protect. So the only thing I'm they do is little... can is try to get him the ball. But if he can't beat you uh, vertically, I think you really help yourself out a lot there. I just feel like it's a little dangerous to assume that the, from D'Amico's perspective that he can do that to Cooper Cup twice in a row. I mean, Cooper Cup has burned him uh, in the past. Right. So what I don't – what I guess I'm a little – Traverius Ward, he's a good player. But you give a guy all that all that money and he can't come in the slot and match up against the number one receiver on your number one rival? Like, I'd like to see, for a change, Ward in the slot on third downs. And you could do it where – 
You play two high safeties behind him. You play zone behind him where he's just mac- like locking up one guy, like almost like a box and one in basketball. Do you ever play specialty coverages against – did you ever play specialty coverages against offenses that had like one guy? Nah, now Loki would have felt like disrespected. Now, maybe I just didn't play against anybody good enough. I don't, I don't know, but – I know I would have felt some type of way about my coach saying, all right, crap, we're going to do this with you here. And by the way, you got a guy here that's helping you and a guy that's here. I'm like, man, F that help, man. Like, I'm, I got this. So um, I think I would have right. felt the type of way, some type of way about that. <laughs> that's funny. Because I was with Cooper Cup. Yeah. I mean, it's like Trooper Crown, most receiving yards in the league, most receptions in the league, most touchdowns in the league. So um, it's a little harder to be upset about that, you know, and especially with uh, the timing – that him and his quarterback Stafford have that that rapport is crazy. So it's a little bit more difficult. But man, yeah, I would feel some type of way as a cornerback. It's just so tough to cover Cooper Cup because, like, if you give him inside leverage, he cuts outside. If you give him outside leverage, he cuts inside. And Matthew Stafford just stands still and stares at Cooper Cup the entire play, and either takes a sack or throws yeah. to Cooper Cup. So it seems like with with a you know a weak offensive line, uh, D'Amico should be able to manufacture pressure while. Dropping guys into coverage. That's the way I... If they blitz a lot in this game, I feel like you're creating one-on-one matchups for Cup. I know it worked last time. I don't think you have to do it. But let's see what let's see what D'Amico lands on. Let's talk offense now. Kyle needs a lot of suggestions. He's out of ideas. So let's go back and forth. You got any ideas for Kyle? He's listening. Taking notes. You know, I, I think incorporate the pass more. And I think his offensive scheme has been built off of, hey, we're going to run the ball and everything that we do throughout through the passing game and really just our offense in general is based off of running. And the running is going to be yeah. able to set up some of the passing and the shots that we take. But why not mm-hmm. be a little bit more aggressive with being able to spread it out and throw the ball and put yourself in short yardage type situations? Uh, that would be, you know, the counter to it. Again, everybody knows he wants to run on first down. It hasn't really worked. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's not be as predictable. Let's let our, you know, even if it's short yeah. yard, hey, everybody just run five yard stick routes. Right. Yeah. Just boom, five yards, boom, let's hit you. All right, we picked up five. All right, now we got second and five. Now we can run. We, we set up uh, short and manageable situations. I mean, a lot of that was the philosophy of the Atlanta Falcons. And I know they only scored uh, three offensive touchdowns against the 49ers, yeah. but, you know, put yourself in better situations as opposed to like, Okay, well, they know we're running on first down. We run it. Wow, we get one yard. Okay, they know we're running on second down. Wow, we get two yards. Now we got third and seven or third and eight. Right. And you got Jimmy Garoppolo who, you know, things things can get a little tricky uh, sometimes with him at, at quarterback. No, that's a great point. And um, I want to point out, like, the Rams have figured out the Niners offense. They know that to beat the Niners offense, you got to shut down the run. So the last two games the Niners have played against the Rams, they've ran 42 times for 138 yards. That's 3.3 yards per carry. And yeah, Christian McCaffrey will help. But at the same time, the Rams are going to sell out to stop the Niners' run game. It's not going to be wide open for Christian. It's going to be tough. So I'm with you. I think a big key in this game is the Niners have to lean on their play-action passing game in a way they haven't in years. I think they need to take shots. Not shots, but they need to go 10, 15, 20 yards down the field off play-action. In fact, I think their first play in the game should be a hard play-action fake to Christian McCaffrey where Jimmy Garoppolo turns his back and they have a whole power blocking scheme they really sell the run and throw the ball to Brandon Ayuk for 15 yards on an out on a corner route you got to set the tone that you're that you're not playing dink and duck football because Debo's not there most likely and if you get to third down you're screwed against this team Mike McGlinchey will get eaten alive Ewok I think it's Ewok in there but he says something I've been crying about I don't want to say crying but screaming for them to do it more often and it is 
play with tempo. Like yeah. there is zero tempo. Yep. There's times where it's like, hey man, first down, you get nine yards. Hey, let's get on the ball right now. Right? Yeah. Like let's get on the heels. ball right now. Boom. Let's call a play. Let's go. Boom. Yeah. Okay, we get a first down. Okay, let's get on the ball again. And I, I've seen it, I feel like one time with Kyle. Once. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of like where it's like, hey, you gotta run no huddle because you're running out of time. Like outside of like the obvious situations, yeah. but just uh, first quarter, first drive, boom, we pick up eight yards on the first play. Boom, let's go tempo. We know what our plays are. We know what our script is. Let's go. Boom, we're hitting it. Boom, boom, boom. We're down the field. Like you just never see that with Kyle. And yeah. I really like. Let's say Chicago, right? Yeah. Let's say his because his first three plays, one they did like a. Something with uh, Debo Samuel, right? They mm -hmm. ran the ball with Debo Samuel. He picked up like eight yards, or it might have been uh, uh, I. He picked up like ten yards or something. And then they, and then the next play, they did another kind of like a shovel pass to Debo Samuel. He picked up like eight yards. And then yeah. the next play was the play action and the deep crosser, and uh -huh. uh, uh, yeah. Trey Lance hit him with the deep crosser. Now you're downfield, and then ultimately, you know, uh, Debo fumbled, but. Do something like that with tempo, where yeah. you're getting them, you're stretching them sideline to sideline. You're running, boom, you're in them with a play action. You do those things with tempo, man. Like that, that would be good. And we just never see it. Everything is just so slow. slow. And it's like with all this, with all this talent on offense, it's a good reason to go up tempo. Like Chip Kelly would go up tempo with no talent on offense. It's like you're just, you're just like speeding up the three and out. But with the Niners, I think it's a great idea. And also, like, the Niners are so bad after halftime. I looked it up. They're averaging 1.9 points per game in the third quarter. 1.9. So this could be their changeup, their curveball in the third quarter. You know what? Let's go tempo in the third quarter. We haven't done it all year. They're not going to expect it. It might get us a touchdown in a quarter where we're averaging 1.9 points per game. One more thing I would suggest. Extend the script. If it's 15 plays, 25 plays, make it 40, man. Because whatever you're doing after the script isn't better. It's not working. And yeah, you want to be like in tune with the game situation, but it's a second quarter, man. Chances are it's a close game. So just extend your script to 40 plays. Why not? Or, Why not? Yeah. You know what, he, what you know? he needs to do is he needs to, and I heard Steve Kerr was in the building maybe a week or so ago, two weeks ago. He needs to talk to Steve Kerr because I think they have the opposite going on of what the Warriors have going on. You talked about one point per game or whatever in the third quarter yeah. uh, for Kyle Shanahan. But the, the Warriors, like their third quarter, that, like that's when you know hey, the Warriors are coming. Right? Like, that's when they, they wake up. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, third quarter? Okay, we're here. Yeah. And uh, maybe Kyle needs to ask Steve Kerr, you know, what do you do differently? What adjustments do you make at offense? And how do you get your guys – uh, to get through, why do they listen to you? Why do they take whatever you're saying to them in offense? Why are they buying into that? And maybe try to instill some of that into his team. I agree. Last thing is the Niners are going to have to avoid third down like the plague because McGlinchey is like playing at like an all time low in, in confidence, it yeah. seems. I mean, Joe Staley pointed it out. Just this, the he can't stop a bull rush. If you get in his chest, you can knock him on his back. And it's, it, it, you know, it looks bad. It is bad. So I think Joe the Rams. Oh yeah, three three days ago on KMBR, he's like, "Look, uh, Mike McGlinchey's my f my friend, but you know he needs to be honest with himself. He, he he was very he was very specific. He's like, Mike is um he needs to be critical with himself. He can't just go into practice and you know be focused on being perfect in practice. You actually have to go out and work on your weaknesses." Don't just be like, I had a perfect practice. Be like, no, I worked on my weaknesses today and got a little bit better. And I think what he's saying is he's doesn't acknowledge criticism. He doesn't, he's not honest with himself about his weaknesses. And that's why he keeps getting trucked 
by bull rushes. I think that's so what Stingy's saying. I think part of the issue, he's just so tall, and we all yeah. know low man wins, and I feel yeah. like guys are just getting getting under his leverage, kind of standing yeah. him up, oh, and, and then he's like losing all power in his legs, right. and then yes. he gets pushed over. Uh, yep. or or trips up, you know, whatever it is. But he's getting bull yeah. rushed back into the quarterback. Um, but part of it, when you start talking about him taking like constructive criticism, he talked about how it almost sounded like he went to a state of depression because of fans, right, getting on right. him about his play, right. So, like, you need to be your toughest critic, man. Like, I, I say you're not good. Soft. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it just is what it is. Like, like that's your, like there are you know. We look at our kids and things like that, and it's like, oh, my kid might be a little soft. Like that's just them, and I think that might be the case with McGlinchey, where it's just like he's just a little, you know, look, he's a cat, look, not a dog. Crocker was in the league, so he can say that. I'm, I'm never calling NFL players soft because I played tackle football one time. It was in seventh grade. It was at recess, not recess. It was at lunch at Montana Middle School, and the security guards would let the kids play football because they like to watch it. So I, I caught a ball in the flat, turned around, got stuck. Walked off the field. Everyone laughed at me. I was like, I don't care. I'm soft. That was okay, it. Yeah, Grant. That yeah. was it. But if you were, you know, six eight, six nine, <laughs> three hundred pounds your whole life, it's That's a little tough. easier to give off the illusion that you're not soft. And you go to Notre Dame, and it's like, well, I'm good. But even then, he had one issue. Wasn't a great pass protector at Notre Dame. That was the Played issue. Next to Quentin out. Nelson. Played right. next to some really and, good players. You know, so yeah. you can you can hide it until you can't hide it. At some point, it, it it'll come out. That is just mentally, you're just not. Uh, see, I gotta be careful with my words because you know now you know that's true. That's true. That's that, true. You know, that's true. But there's something there that's uh, making it harder for him to to be real with himself. Yeah, I mean that's what Joe Staley said. It was very interesting. Joe Staley knows McGlinchey much better than me. And just a second, one thing you've ever noticed: if I criticize someone that Joe played with that he respects, he will tweet at me. And say stop, Grant. Like there was a last year. Uh, last year there was some people wanted the Niners to sign Frank Gore just at the end, and I was like, no. And I kept tweeting about, and he was like, dude, enough. It's Frank Gore. Leave him alone. If I say stuff about McGlinchey, Joe Staley isn't telling me to stop. I mean, I think from Joe's perspective, like, no, McGlinchey needs to hear this, and if he can't acknowledge it, he's never, he's never going to have the career Joe had. He's not going to have the career Trent Williams had. I mean, frankly, I'm not sure that Mike McGlinchey is a starting offensive lineman in the NFL. He's not playing like one right now, so he's at a crossroads right now. John says, Ayuk is going through a range of emotions, spends the past two years training with Lance just to lose him early. I believe he as well won't be here long. Well, they have him under team control for the next two years, but he doesn't seem like a happy camper at all. He's finally starting to get the targets. I think he deserves 11 targets each of the last two games. So, you know, that's trending in the right direction. His production is up. And even if you're losing, not saying, you know, you always want to say the right thing. Like, I'd rather catch one ball and win than catch 11 passes and lose. But really, it's like, you know what I'm saying? Give me these 11 catches, <laughs> you know? Give me these 11 yeah. targets. So um, I, I think that should help his spirits just a little bit, being more productive over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, but it's like earlier in the season, him and Kittle weren't getting targets. They were running the ball and winning sometimes. Now, the last two games, they've thrown a lot more than they've run. Ayuk and Kittle have gotten their targets. They've lost. And I can kill her like pointing fingers. It's like very interesting. So is Kyle all of a sudden calling all these passes to, to appease Kittle and Ayuk, who are the two upset guys in the life? No, it's a very interesting. You, we really don't know what's going. You were on a team. How much did the did the public really know about what was going on inside the locker room? 
I kind of tuned out a little bit, uh, especially like when I was with the Jets, because the Jets had a lot of different storylines going on. First, when I got there, there was Tim Tebow and his whole situation. <laughs> and and True. and then there, I'm like, why do they talk about Tebow every? Because when yeah. you see him on the team, it's, it's like it's just some guy, yeah. you know. But yeah. like the way they talk about him in the media, it's like why do they talk about Tebow every day? Like we don't even. And then yeah. and then uh, Darrell Revis was holding out. Then Darrell oh. Revis came back. Then they traded Darrell Revis. <laughs> and and then... Um, well, they had you. Uh, they didn't need Revis anymore. Geno Smith... Well, they, they drafted D. Miller in there. Not oh, okay. Wrong. But then they yeah. drafted Geno Smith. So then he comes in. And remember, we have Mark Sanchez. So then there was like right. this quarterback competition thing. Oh, that's funny. And, um, but I don't know. It didn't feel like anyone fed into anything that the media was saying during that time. Fair. What you talk about, Willis? You, gotta, is you have to focus so much. And again, it's different yeah. now, though. That that's that that is one thing I will say. Yeah. My time when I was in, we're talking about 2013. Twitter was just starting to really, yeah. You know, like you know, people were on Twitter, of course, but yeah. it wasn't nearly as far as people being critical of your play, um, yeah. doing film breakdowns, uh, that, you know, right. showing plays. They, they, like they, they weren't doing that on Twitter then. So it right. could have also been a little bit easier to block out the noise because maybe somebody says something, but whatever. But now it's like, they'll show videos of you getting knocked on your ass. <laughs> that might be a little yeah. harder to see. <laughs> what, you, what you talking about, Willis says, honestly, what the hell happened to the jet sweeps, banana hands? Does he not believe in the personnel? It almost felt like Andy Reid was trolling the Niners. Like, oh, remember these plays that you used to do? This. Let me show you how it's done. Well, how do, you, how do you forget about those plays? Especially since, remember that opening script in Chicago? It was jet sweep, end around, gadget play, gadget play. All of us, all, it's all gone now. Well, you talked about it, man, and, and maybe it is as simple as uh, they had something that they they felt would be able to grow uh, with Trey Lance. And when you lose him, it's like then we got to scrap a lot of these different things that we have planned and that we have been working on all off season. I think they scrapped a little too much. Josh Wyatt says, "Question for Crocker: Is there something the Niners do to generate more turnovers? That might be the only way to turn the season around." Pressure. Pressure is the biggest way to get turnover. I mean, so the more pressure you get, the more opportunities you'll get for takeaways. Yeah, and I think what was what, what was working for the Niners earlier is they had a great combination for the first time in years of pressure and press man coverage, where they were forcing, they were taking away the quick throws, forcing the quarterback to hold it a little bit longer, and that was leading to coverage sacks and turnovers. But now they're back to playing soft, off coverage, zone coverage because D'Amico doesn't trust his cornerbacks, which he has a point. But I mean that that. Now you're back to playing good, not even good defense. You know, you have this pass rush that gets negated one sack last week because yeah. everything's available. I mean, they gave up 13 of 14 completions to Marcus Mariota, man. As long as they're going to play off like this, it's not going to be a great pass defense. They're yeah, going to struggle I, on I third and long. A, I haven't been a fan of that, especially with Javarius Ward. Like, he's not yeah. somebody that won off in space having to turn and run no. on vertically pushing passes. Like, I, I want Ward lined up at the line of scrimmage if we're a man – be pressed up. If we're in zone, you could press bell out, but at least you're still close to a guy throughout the route. And right. um, instead of having to like be eight yards off, nine yards off, having to backpedal, turn and run, and it's just harder for longer uh, defensive backs like that to really transition into their turn and run and still keep that speed. I agree. So I'm a little nervous about this defense. I'm actually very concerned about this defense. If you look at it, uh, D'Amico doesn't have confidence in his corners. He's playing soft coverage, which he wasn't playing earlier. That's not good. Uh, Armstead, Kinlaw, Greenlaw and Al Shair currently injured. Like, so the run defense is compromised. I mean, if you have a, a decent offense, which I'm not sure the Rams do, I'm not sure the Rams have a defense. But if you have one, everything's available, as we saw on Sunday. Not good.
Anyway, D'Amico, we're helping. We're here to help. Should Kyle script one first possession of each quarter? Mm, it's not that easy. You get like five seconds between quarters. He, he should script the first 40 plays and then go up-tempo in the third quarter. I like that idea. That's a good-ass idea. Uh, you need a change. Save something for the third quarter. That's a good one. Go up-tempo for the first time ever, Kyle. It's like he can't because he replaced Chip Kelly, and he's like, oh, I can't validate Chip Kelly. Steve says, let me coach Jet Sweep Reverse with Gray. MCM screens, tempo trips with BA, Gray Debo, play action with Debo in the backfield. Too many options. Yeah, there's so many options, and Kyle's like doing none of it. 12 play says, why not just rerun the plays in the script that work? Oh, that's he's too smart to do that. You're not allowed. No, that's a or, great that's a great or suggestion. Counter or have some counters. Counters. To the script, right? Whereas like yep. hey, early Setting on things up. our script. And then maybe at some point we'll show it to them again. And then, you know, in the third quarter, we're going to counter a lot of the things that we did early on. McGlinchey in a fourth for Nick Foles. Is Nick Foles still in the league? Is he in? Nick Foles. I don't think anyone watched McGlinchey, man. I'm sorry. I 54. Think Nick Foles. Like, why would you trade? Where, where, is, where Nick is, Foles? is Nick Foles? I don't know. Steve M says 54 got the dog out of BA, but where is the dog in 54? He's had two bad games in a row. Warner. Mm. But. He's got no one around him. He dropped him. that interception. That was weird. I, I don't even know who Mahomes was throwing the ball to. Oh, yeah. yeah. It seemed like he, like, if he hadn't done that, it might have gone right to Talanoa, too. But yeah. I, I think yeah. sometimes you, I think sometimes you're, you're probably, he was probably confused. Like, and he kind of just kind of half ass reached behind yeah. him. Yeah. It's like, it you yeah, like, go for it. You, just, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was weird. Antonio says, I kind of feel we have to give the benefit of the doubt for D'Amico. He's a ton of injuries. Yeah, and he's only had one bad game so far this year. So um, yeah. I'm not calling him out. I'm trying to help him because this is a very important game. Brandon says, better all-in trade Christian McCaffrey or Robert Quinn to the Eagles. I think Quinn as Eagles get good pass rusher for a good D. I like CMC, but CB was needed more. What do you think? I I, I don't want to talk bad about the, sure. the trade. We already discussed it, but I would say that a, a pass rusher in Philly will probably help them win – more than a running back for the 49ers. Yeah, and he was cheaper for them. Like, he's like a fourth-round pick, probably just a rental. Foles is in Indy. And I only say that because the 49ers have – I think they have solid running backs. And I think when you get Elijah Mitchell back, if you were to tell me there's some combination of Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson, I just think, like, that's definitely good enough to win with. Like, we know that. Like, you can win a lot of games with that type of combination. So that's just kind of my thoughts on that. To me, Jeff Wilson's been one of their best players this year. Yes, he's fumbled twice. But he's playing – he's really explosive. He's averaging more than five yards a carry. They have had him on the team for like four years, and they have tried so hard to replace him. If they had just embraced him and Mitchell and Mason, I think that would be a really good trio. But it's not good enough for Kyle because none of them can line up in the slot. Like uh, The whole uh, receiving ability for, for Christian McCaffrey – it's cool, but, like, how much is a guy catching the ball at the line of scrimmage and behind it really going to hurt you? I mean, it's nice. But, look, here's, here's another thing, another suggestion for Kyle. Get the ball down the field to Christian McCaffrey. You're not going to dink and dunk your way to the – because Debo is the guy who can catch the slant and run through guys. He did it a lot to the Rams. They're soft. Christian McCaffrey runs around people. Get him the ball down the field. If you can't get the ball down the field, I think you're going to lose this game, buddy. So, we've seen the wheel routes to Tevin Coleman. Do it to Christian. I think that would be a good call. Yeah, yeah. Foles is an indie. So he's the third stringer behind uh, Matt Ryan. I know, I'll pass. got Sam Ellinger. Like, so I ain't trade no – I ain't trade nothing for uh, maybe a conditional – like a conditional 2025 seventh-round pick for Nick Foles. Isn't it time for Indianapolis to start over? Like what the hell are they doing over there? 
They've had four different. They've had a million different quarterbacks. They can't figure it out. I don't know. Yeah, they're terrible. Like, I don't know why they can't. Ever since Andrew Luck. Yep, Luis. Thank you. This is the last. Stop giving me money. It's over. The show is over. Eduardo says, "Grant, here's two bucks. You skip my comment, fam." Oh, damn. Damn. What did? It, oh, I'm sorry. Do I have to go back and find it? Uh, hold on. <laughs> uh. I think it was Eduardo. Eduardo. Oh no. Hold on, Josh. I think I really lost it, man. There's a lot of comments here. 12 play, Steve. Sorry, man. Can you write it down like for free in the bottom? Because I can't go back and find it. There's like a thousand comments. And Eric's got to go. And I got to go. Thanks for the two bucks, though. Anyway, Eric, this is a good show. Thanks for coming on. Of course. Appreciate you guys for watching. Um, Next time you see me. No, I'm going to be in L.A. tomorrow. You're not coming to L.A., are you? Yeah, I'll be there. So far? You going? Yeah. Nice, man. That's cool. I got you a little meeting with uh, this apparel company on Friday. Then uh, oh. I'm going to do all my 49ers stuff on Saturday and Sunday. Let's get it. Nice, man. Um, Have fun. See y'all there. And I'm bringing have my wife. Thursday. So this is the first time my wife is going like with me to like, nice. the game and stuff. I'm bringing my wife and my dad, too. We're all going to go out and have a time in Hollywood. Yeah. It should be fun. Thanks for watching, people. Later.